You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much to Pastor Aaron and the rest of the, rest of the pastoral staff. And, and just as I mentioned last service as well, you know, we're very grateful for you, for you guys standing with us these last couple of years in prayer and in, in the giving of your resources and your time and sending over your family to, to be with our family and to serve alongside us. And that really is the way the kingdom of God works. That's the way that the kingdom of God is established is through family. Uh, we're looking forward for the years to come to many more trips and God has really done something even unique, I believe, in, in, in connecting the work in the Middle East to this house here. Uh, I'll just mention this one really quick thing before we get into the Word of God today, because I believe it connects to it. You know, Jesus' message is, is the gospel, at the, and at the heart level, the gospel is the revelation of God and His love. And as Aaron often likes to say, as Pastor Aaron often likes to say, love has to look like something. God is the source of love, and he's the one that defines what love looks like. The goal of God in redemption is to bring of people to himself, to love them and to pour out his love upon them so they themselves would pour out that love back upon him and upon others. But a couple of years ago, uh, Pastor Aaron and, and Chris came out to Iraq and um, we, we were doing some ministry there and God had given me a vision back in 2014 when, when ISIS had taken over large parts of Iraq, maybe a third of Iraq and possibly up to half of Syria. And, and they were advancing rapidly and it was during that time that we, I was in a time of prayer and I haven't seen very many visions. I've seen many dreams. Often the Lord will speak to me through dreams in the night, but I, had, I haven't had many visions or received many visions when I was awake. But this was a very significant vision, and in it, I saw myself preaching in a mosque. And I knew that it was not the first time that I was preaching in a mosque, and it was, as, it was a result of God declaring his power and his majesty there in the Middle East to Muslims. And, and long story short, uh, the Lord really connected us to this house, I believe, and we look for what God is doing. We want to jump into what God is doing. Listen, let me encourage you with this. Find out what God is doing in your generation. Recognize that everything that God does, God does through the context of spiritual family, divine relationships, church, right? God is not just doing random things here and there. God is not looking to, to, to make an idol or a celebrity of any man. Men do that for themselves. God has a narrative and he's looking for those that would jump into his divine narrative. And when God is speaking and connecting you with others, cherish those things and, and seek to maximize what God is wanting to do in our generation through what he's building. And so anyways, they came and we got to, we got to share the gospel in a mosque. And as a result, other doors have opened and, and we're believing for many, many, many more doors and open air meetings, not just in Iraq, but, but in mosques all across the Middle East. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys for standing with us. So with that said, you guys can turn to Matthew chapter 17. And as you turn there this morning, we shared on the mountain of the Lord. We, we talked about how all throughout the scriptures you see a theme of the mountain of the Lord in the word of God. And this theme gen generally represents the place where God dwells. God dwells on high. The psalmist would say, the Lord is my fortress. 
The Lord is my strong rock. He's my tower. The idea is that God dwells up on high in the heavens and we are down here on the earth. Now, the good news is in the good news of the gospel we see revealed in the incarnation and the coming of Jesus, where he marries the heavens and the earth. God puts on flesh and he comes to dwell and tabernacle amongst men. And that's a prophetic statement of what is to come and what we will enjoy and experience forevermore. But in the meantime, we steward in the place of the spirit that same reality. And the greatest call of God in life is to walk with Jesus and to love him. That's the greatest call. The greatest call that you have, whether you're in a ministry or whether you're in, in, in uh, uh, whatever profession you may be in, the business world, in the, in the medical world, whether you're an at-home mom, you're a homeschooler, you're a student, whatever season of life that you're in, you can be comforted to know this is the will of God for you. The will of God for you is to love God and to be loved by God. Love is the greatest commandment. And that looks like spending time with Jesus. The mountain of the Lord is where men would go up to meet with God. Moses went up the mountain to meet with God and he beheld the glory of God. And when he came back down to the valley, back down into the valley, into the mess, into the brokenness of our own human experience, you know, sin has impacted the world. Sin impacts relationships. Any one of you that have experienced that maybe in your own life, maybe you've lived, you've, you've seen what divorce has done, you've seen what abuse has done, you've seen what addiction has done. We, we've all to some degree been touched by what sin has done in the world. And sin distorts and sin destroys. But when Moses goes back down into the valley to lead the people of God, his face is shining. His face is shining. And that's, that's the goal of God for us is to live in his presence, to live before his face and to live before men, men and women, our generation. We are called to be a priesthood. Revelation chapter one, we are called the kingdom of priests. Jesus Christ is our great high priest. The author of Hebrews says, it'd be good if we can get past the foundations of faith. And get into the deeper issues. And then he goes on for three chapters to talk about Jesus as our great Melchizedek. To talk about Jesus as the example of what it looks like to be a priest. Jesus is the standard to which humanity reaches up for. Jesus is the picture of what it looks like to be truly human. No longer underneath the influence and powers of hell and darkness. One day we will be free, and in the meantime, we ourselves are free and becoming more free. Amen? So that we can be what God called, he's called us to be. He's called us to be a priesthood. A priesthood lives before his face, and a priesthood serves people. When Jesus is revealed to John the Beloved in Revelation chapter 1, one of the interesting things about his appearance is that his feet were, were, were as burnished bronze as if they had been in a fire. And the one item in the tabernacle that was made of bronze was the brazen altar. The place where you would wash was made of bronze. And then the place you would offer sacrifice was made of bronze. He's the one that stands in the place of sacrifice. He himself 
offers the sacrifice is the sacrifice and it shows us what it looks like to live as a sacrificial one. Love is the goal of God and redemption. And we're called to live with God on the mountain, but we have to walk back down to the valleys. Amen. Before we get into Matthew chapter 17, how many of you have ever read the Song of Songs? Okay, that's good. Have you guys ever done a study on the Song of Songs as a church? That's great. I encourage you guys to do study of the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, okay, has some practical application for marital relationship but I don't know if you know this or not but in ancient Israel they looked at the song of songs primarily as an allegorical prophetic picture of God's relationship to his people did you guys know that amen they saw ancient rabbis would actually call proverbs psalms and the song of songs the courts of the Lord And they called Proverbs, Proverbs is very practical, right? Very, very practical. We need practical expressions of love. They would call that the outer courts. And then they would call Psalms, these songs of love, this exchange, sometimes very painful, sometimes very much uh, praise or worship based. They call that the inner courts. But the song of songs, they called the holy of holies. Did you know that? Now in the song of songs, we're going to do a quick 60 second preview of the song of songs we see a beautiful groom there is none like our great bridegroom Jesus and he finds this young woman that is a representation of the bride of Christ the church universal from the beginning to the end of time but she's she's hurt and she's wounded she's been wounded by life she's been wounded by relationships things that have happened to her maybe things she has done by others and the Lord or the bridegroom comes to the bride and reignites a love inside of her heart for the groom. And then her love that is now an infant form that is being healed, that is being restored, now he brings it through a process of maturity. He wants her to grow in the maturity of love. Next March will make 20 years that Danielle... And my lovely wife and myself have been married. Amen. (laughs) And I'm only 30. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It's the Middle East. Context is everything. But you know, just as much as I was willing to give my life for her when we first got married, it hasn't changed today. I can't say the love is less or more, but it's more rich. It's deeper in its maturity. The same thing goes for my relationship with Jesus. When I first got born again, I had a radical encounter, radical deliverance from from drugs and from a self-centered life and from violence. The moment I got born again, I was willing to die for him. Jesus, I'll give you my life. But that same willingness today has matured by the grace of God. That love has matured. It's not different. It's of the same substance. It's just more mature. 
And you see the, the bridegroom is taking the bride through a process of maturity. And then he takes her to a place where he says, come and join me. Let's go collect the fruit. The winter has passed. The springtime is here. Let's go up the mountains. Let's go conquer. Come and join me. And she pulls back. And then he comes in the evening at the most inconvenient time and he knocks on the door. But she's not as quick to get up in those, those moments of inconvenience when he's asking for something. But it's, it's, it's beyond that early love relationship where, where sometimes in, that, in those early stages, our, our motives are, are sincere and, and we, we really do intend the best. But often we're subconscious, we're unconsciously very self-serving. We, I love you because of the way you make me feel. I love you because of what you do for me. I love you because you make me feel so special. I love you because you know me as I am and still love me. All those things are beautiful and necessary foundations of our experience of love. But when it starts to cost us something, God is looking to mature our love. He's looking to take us through different seasons, pressures. He wants to mature our love. And the, and the laboratory in which he does that is in the valley. In the context of relationships with real people. Relationships with real people, having to love very, very much so unlovely people, loving the unlovely, having to deal with conflict and adversity and misunderstanding, being done wrong, being mistreated, not defending ourselves. God wants us to grow in love. And we see this bride in the Song of Songs. She pulls back, but then she starts to feel this love sickness. Something deep on the inside because she's been stabbed by the love of God has gone deep down past her emotions into her affections, into her will. She says, I'm lovesick. Where is he? And she starts to seek for him. And the same ones who maybe mistreated or abused her before, they did so, they, they do so again, the watchmen. They, they, they again mistreat, but this time she's not offended. This time she says, I don't care if there's misunderstanding. I don't care if there's going to be resistance or adversity. I want to find him. And when she finds him, the, the, the book ends with this. Love is stronger than death. Set me as a seal of love upon your heart, upon your arm. And then right after that, she says, I have a little sister who's not mature in love yet. Let's go help her. The Lord is looking to bring a people to himself for the sake of love. And the place he establishes that is by a revelation of Jesus on the mountaintop. Listen, don't go out and try to do good if you're not first meeting Jesus. If you're not living before his presence, we're not just trying to do Christian things. We don't want to just busy ourselves with Christian things. But if you're living before his face, don't try to hide from having to deal with real situations in real life. She didn't want to be hurt again, but it's only in the laboratory of relationships in the valley that love gets formed. John says in his letter, in his epistle, he says, if you say you love God, but there's no expression of that love in relationships towards people, I don't think you really understand what it means to love God. You either have it or you don't have it. Right? You either have... We were talking about basketball. Aaron actually is a really good basketball player. The first time he came to Iraq, 
my, it was one of my kids' favorite stories when we played basketball against some Iraqis that they would always lose to until Aaron and Chris came and destroyed them. And they're like, Aaron and Chris. But listen, if you got a jump shot, you got a jump shot. When he showed up, he shot, he made the ball. Isn't it, wouldn't it be funny if like, if he showed up and he was like, I'm a really good shooter. I can play basketball really well. I can dribble, distribute the ball, play defense. But it's too hot here. I've completely forgot how to handle the ball. I can't shoot here. I can only shoot indoors. If it's indoors, I can shoot. I'm not good at playing outdoor basketball. If I'm wearing a jersey with guys that I know, I, I could pass, I could... But if I'm not, if I'm wearing regular clothes and I have to play with guys that I don't know, it's like, I, I look like I've never actually played basketball. But I, wouldn't that sound ridiculous? Like, wait a minute. If you can play basketball, you can play basketball anywhere because you can play basketball. Listen, if the love of God is on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what's in front of you, right? It doesn't matter, but, but, but this particular person... But this particular type of situation, no, no, love is love everywhere. Love is love everywhere. Amen. So Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is on the mountaintop with his disciples and he reveals his glory to them. And as he reveals his glory to them, they learn things. They learn, number one, the goal of life is Jesus and the adoration of Jesus. They learn that as they behold him, they themselves are transformed into that, same Im- into that same image. They also learn the fear of the Lord in the presence of God. Amen. We need a fresh baptism of the fear of God in our generation. If you fear God, you will not fear men. And we're living in a day right now where that's being tested. And to whatever measure we feel fear rise up in our hearts, may we run back to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, baptize me. You could pray, Lord, remove the fear from my heart. And that's, that's a biblical prayer. But you can also pray, Lord, baptize me in the fear of God. If I feel in my heart, I'm caving to, oh my goodness, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? Lord, baptize me afresh in the fear of God. Because I know if I fear you, I will not fear situations. I will not fear men. I will not fear death. The Lord reveals to them family on the mountaintop. He reveals to them the importance of keeping our hearts free from from idolizing men so that we can go back down to the valley and we'll read this passage quickly. In verse 14, Matthew 17, they came back down the mountain and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. Often he falls into the fire, often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, they could not heal him. And Jesus answers, O faithless, twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebukes the demon and he comes out and the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He says to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. What mountain is he talking about? That demon and that boy. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. 
It's only those that dwell on the mountain of the Lord that are able to go down into the valley and drive out the mountains of darkness. But in order to do so, the Lord wants to condition us so that the the gift of faith can flow freely through the channel of a broken heart that surrendered to the love of God. When Paul teaches the gifts of power and how they're expressed in a church, in Matthew 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, wedged right into the middle, what holds together the gifts in 12 and their manifestations in 14 is the revelation of the expression of love. The power of God flows freely through the channel of love. That's what he's saying. Whether it's in a church or whether it's in the Middle East, God is looking for people that would bend their hearts to the love of God because God will not bend his nature to meet our criteria and our comforts. You know, there's there's a saying often in ministry, particularly in charismatic groups, it's called the protect the anointing saying. Have you heard of the protect the anointing saying? And usually what they mean by protect the anointing is don't actually let people get near to you. Don't let people get into your families. Don't let people get into your homes. Don't let people get near to you because then they may take away the anointing. Not in a positive sense of the word, like you transfer the anointing to others, but you may lose your anointing if you actually have to deal with people. The anointing is not for you. The anointing is for the people. And and love is the goal of God in redemption. And that happens within the laboratory of real Real relationships, the dynamic of actual relationships with people. It's easy to love somebody from a distance. Listen, it's easy to love the unlovely Muslim who hates the gospel from a distance. It's another thing to go visit him in his house, in his tent, in 120 degree weather, to eat the food that you don't like, to sit with him, to engage in the conversation, to find out what's going on in his, in his life and in her life. Every one of these people have a story. It requires love. Love has to look like something. Peter wanted to stay on top of the mountain and make idols of men. Hoping that at some point, everybody's going to find out about it and then come up and visit the revival that idolizes men. Well, Jesus, of course, and men. (laughs) Moses and Elijah, right? Jesus says, no, we live on the mountaintop and we live in the valley. We go to them. We we go to broken situations. Love is defined by the giving of our lives, the giving of our time. The giving of our resources. God is desiring to develop love in you. Love in me. The power of God flows freely and most beautifully through a heart that's given over to the love of God. You know, sometimes faith is the issue. But I think often it's not faith necessarily but it's the lack of love. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved in his inward parts. He spent his life with people. 
Paul spent his life with people. He gave his life for the lost. He gave his life for those that God had given him to shepherd. Love is the goal. But in order to do so, you have to go back down into the valley. And there are elements of that that are not naturally comfortable or attractive to us. Because it's a different experience being on the mountaintop. Right, being in the presence of God, and, 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 and let me just be very, very clear about this. It's not an either or issue. It's both and always. Right, it's not like, oh, okay, now I'm, I'm no longer living before the face of God. No, we're, we're called to be priests. All these titles that go around, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet. Whatever, whatever different ones may be, okay, we're all called to be priests. All of us. We're all called to live before the face of God and to serve people. All of us. And that has to look practical. That has to be practical. That has to be practical. Love is what God is after. This gospel is motivated by love. Jesus was driven by love, nailed to a cross because of love. And he pours out the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced, and I believe with all of my heart, that in the days ahead, the days that are just ahead of us, whether it's the ministry that God has given you guys here, your family, your calling, individually, corporately, whether it's the Middle East or the nations, I believe with all of my heart that the best days are yet to come. No matter how dark things may get naturally, I believe that the best days for the bride of Christ, the church of God, are still yet to come. That, that Jesus will return for a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. That will mirror the bride in the Song of Songs. But if that's at all any kind of an explanation or narrative for what our walk is going to look like as a church through history, we must allow Jesus to bring us into places of discomfort. We can't, we, we can't hold back reservation because it's not comfortable to us. God will ask you to do uncomfortable things. He will ask you, he will ask of you things that will cost you. You know, isn't it interesting that often in life, everything the Lord says to us always looks like an upgrade? Like every season of life, as God is speaking to us, things are always upgraded. So it's always like, I'm going to give you a job and you're going to make more money. And amen to that, by the way. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm going to give you more of this. I'm going to give you more. It's never like, okay, I, want, I need something from you and it's going to cost you. Like, I'm going to give you even more free time. <laughs> Amen. All of us are like, that's great. But love will actually cost. I'm going to need more of your time. I'm going to need more of your resources. Right? I'm going to need a little bit more of whatever the case may be. I'm going to need more prayers out of you. I'm going to need you to not say anything and let them falsely accuse you a little bit longer. You know, when, when the Lord is calling us to himself, he's calling us to himself so that we would grow in love. And that's the place of the valley. Amen. Can you guys please stand? We, we want to pray today that God would fill us with his love. That God would fill us with his love so that we would be fruitful 
in the valley. How many of you want more of the love of God? How many of you can pray today? Say, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I want to grow in love. Say, Jesus, fill me with your love. Now listen, I want you to know something. You just prayed that. And if you believed it, he's going to give you opportunities to love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is long suffering. He's going to give you opportunities for patience and kindness and the investment of your time and forgiving those that wronged you and the giving of your resources and praying for others more than you pray for yourself and looking for those that are hurting around you and unlovely around you that don't know Jesus and giving them the gospel. Love on the mountain that doesn't translate to love in the valley isn't the kind of encounter on the mountain that Jesus was desiring. So let's just lift up our, our, our hands to the Lord right now, our hearts to the Lord. Lord, we believe that in a moment, in a moment, Lord, you can pour out your love in our hearts. And we also know from the scriptures that Lord, you take us through a process day by day, every moment. There's not one moment in our lives that's insignificant in which we can offer you our hearts afresh again and again in love. Thank you, Lord, for this holy call to be priests before you, a priesthood. From the place of love for the sake of love and unto love. Lord, we want to grow in love. We want to grow in the maturity of love. We want to give our lives for those around us, for our family, Lord. We want, to, we want to learn how to love our spouse in a more godly way. Thank you, God, that you've given, that those that you've surrounded us is the primary laboratory, the place in which you've called us to grow in love. Lord, I pray for every, every member of this church, Lord, that there would be a, a newfound commitment to love one another a newfound commitment to love this city a newfound commitment to love this nation the nations of the world lord help us to not run like the bride in the song of songs to to protect ourselves from being hurt lord remove any self-love from us that we would be free to just be loved by you and love others freely lord we want to be we want to be channels of the power of god we don't want any impediments we don't want anything to clog the flow of the gifts of the Spirit, the dynamic, powerful manifestation of the power of God in our meetings. Let love flow freely, Jesus, in our midst. And Lord, when we feel pain, and if we have pain in our hearts by those who have wronged us, God, help us to take advantage of these opportunities and moments to grow in love. Not to deny the hurt, Lord, but to say, Jesus, I feel hurt, I feel pain. But Lord, I know this is an opportunity to grow in love. I offer forgiveness to this person. God, I offer you my heart. Fill me with love. Lord, and I pray for a fresh baptism of love 
upon this church in a unique way thank you for everything you've been doing through them and even how it's impacted the nations but God I pray a newfound baptism in the love of God as it pertains to the Great Commission in Jesus name God I pray for the pastoral staff and their families Lord that you would give them a baptism of tears in the place of prayer Lord release a spirit of prayer with tears blessed are they who mourn for they shall be comforted Lord even as they move in and from a place of peace and joy may they experience your brokenness for a lost and dying generation Lord as a priesthood may they grow in intercession standing with you Lord even the way you desire your disciples to stand with you in a place of Gethsemane suffering for the sake of love in the place of prayer God that you would give them greater grace that they would grow in love in their sending in Jesus name Lord anoint them anoint every every member Lord every child in this church God in Jesus name in our own work in Iraq may we grow in love we don't despise enemies Lord help us to grow in love because of enemies how do we even know we love unless we love those that are against us in Jesus name a fresh fire of love as it pertains to the power and the proclamation of the gospel upon his house in Jesus name a fresh baptism of love and a boldness to preach the gospel from the place of love and to give our lives to uncomfortable situations in Jesus name Lord rid our hearts from self-preservation and a theology that would say that we don't have to suffer for the sake of love God we want to give all we want to give all for the field we have found the field of love that great pearl of love that we have found Lord we give all whatever it may cost Lord we love you and we love you because you first loved us God make us channels of love in this generation by the power of the gospel in Jesus name